My definition of excellence is I think of my grandfather who had generational changes as far as professionally and personally and family. I look at my father and then I look at myself. And at the end of my life, if I can see that I've impacted my, my future generations and future generations of my family and friends, that's my definition of excellence. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. and thank you for listening and we've got a treat for you today mentioned numerous times on the show we have sean baldwin president of baldwin and sons homes fourth generation now because i'm sure his kids work there real estate development land development construction real estate investment and property management company we're gonna have a little bit of a different show today we're gonna talk about what if you were born in but we're also going to talk about what is real estate, what are those roles and all those different companies underneath the Baldwin umbrella. And if you want to know how to start a thir- three or four generation successful business, this is the show. I do want to warn you, John and I go back a long way and the two of us are the most sarcastic people in the world. So bear with our sarcasm, bear with our inside jokes and get ready for a good one. We're here to learn about real estate. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. All right, John, thank you so much for making time to come off the beach on a Friday and join us on the Edge of Excellence. Hey, Matt, what's happening? Happy Friday. Sean Baldwin, what is your definition of excellence? My definition of excellence is I think of my grandfather who had generational changes as far as professionally and personally and family. I look at my father and then I look at myself. And at the end of my life, if I can see that I've impacted my my future generations and future generations of my family and friends, that's my definition of excellence. So it's a generational legacy. It could be financial. It could be some of the wisdom passed down by uh, your grandfather and your father, but it's got to be je- multi-generational and it's got to hit um, outside of immediate family. Yeah, I think it's financial as well. It's, it's just love and learning and just setting an example for... Uh, uh, spiritual, all of the above. Yeah, that's powerful, Sean. I'm thinking about your dad and all that I learned from your father, just little words of wisdom. And I've also seen him, you know, given short talks and sharing some of his lessons in a more formal setting. I'm thinking about generation from your dad to me to my kids, from your dad to you to your kids. So you're, when you talk about excellence, you mean that level of excellence, someone that's remembered four or five generations from now for the mark they made on the people around them. Absolutely. Between family and friends, uh, you know, that's what I'm here for. And that's what I think we all are. Well, Sean and I tease each other quite a bit. I mentioned in many of the uh, podcasts, Sean's name, because a long time ago, he uh, talked to me about another podcast that mentioned some names. and He thought that was horrible. So I try to dig at him a little bit, poke him. But I have him on the episode, the 100th episode 
of the show. And we're going to go on a different path this time. Sean's, Sean got to, found his excellence in a little bit of a different way, similar to a lot of people, but there are a few differences. And he, he's one of the players in the real estate industry. And I'm going to start off on this huge you to help us understand what is real estate. Oftentimes, people in their 20s, they're watching TV, they, they see flip or flop, and that's what they think real estate is. Why don't you describe to us what Baldwin and Sons does, what land development is, what property development is, and give us a little education on different uh, uh, areas of real estate, different roles in real estate. So we're a family business. Uh, we do real estate development. We acquire dirt, we acquire buildings and repurpose them and develop them, uh, working through cities, counties, and through the state. That's called land development. We will then change the property from its current use to the use that we believe provides the best value for the, uh, uh, community as well as for financially for us. At the same time, we will then go vertical on the property, and that is what a builder is or a general contractor. And we have that in house. After that, we will either sell the property or hold it in the family business. And we also have a property management business. So we kind of cover all three areas of what you'd call a real estate investor. Okay, so land development is when you take raw land, you work with the city, the county, and the state to come up with zoning for the land, commercial, residential, quantity of properties. In that uh, element of your business and in land development businesses, there needs to be the sales type people with the D and the I scores working with the cities. And I, what, what's that role called? That would be our entitlement. Uh, uh, chief of entitlements. Chief all the way down to entry level in the entitlement section and they're negotiators and they're um, trying to get, get as many buildings, as many vertical elements on the property as they can. And you're going to be donating some to parkland and open space and whatnot. So in the in land development, are there other besides the accounting staff and the analysts, any other roles that exist in that area of the business? Yeah, I, th I think uh, uh, you you have someone who there's kind of three areas. Uh, I believe there's the creativity side. So you got to have the vision for the property. You got to have the vision to be able to look at open space or a dilapidated uh, current use and have the vision that we can do something different. Second, you got to have someone with the entitlement expertise that goes to the city and will be able to navigate that whole process, city, county, state. Third, you're going to need someone who has the financial wherewithal and financial uh, knowledge to be able to underwrite it, model it, and uh, financially put together what would be the best plan. And oftentimes you'll get people, you know, the visionary, you know, maybe they, maybe that's someone that's been doing it for a while. Maybe it's someone that has a mentor that's been doing it for a while. Not usually someone that's just totally green. That's the visionary. The entitlement role, there's all sorts of different roles. The financial backing, you run into some people that don't really have a ton of money. They're able to put these type of land development businesses together um, by seeking out investors to give them the financial backing. So that's a uh, uh, someone who has vision, right? They can see a piece of property, they see two acres and it's an old hotel or it's a, a parking lot. And they have the vision that, hey, we can put some apartments or we can put for sale product or a hotel on here. And they have the vision to be able to do that. And 
through that, you can tie up a piece of property and have some extended long escrow and work on negotiating with the city or partnering up with someone who can negotiate with the city, all at the same time trying to raise capital. And if you create enough value, if you have created enough value add in the deal, you can raise that money in a uh, good market. Um, so that's what you, you, you do see a lot of entry-level real estate developers. That's where they really excel in is they have the vision of how to value add on real estate properties. So, so, and, and I, I got to just take a little bit of a break here and say, we got a one-stop shop on real estate here. There's not too many people in the world that run um, companies that are developing land, building, um, property managing, holding, and there's not too many businesses that have been around for, you guys have been around for what, 40 years, 50 years? Uh, since 1956. So a long, long, long time. So coming up on 70. So we're going to get a little detail here. We've got the land development with the vision role that sometimes um, that will go find some financing, find some backing. And then in the middle, you have the expertise role, which in the in the land development is entitlement, changing the zoning of raw land in real estate development. It's the vision to see what's needed and what's built. Still have a visionary. Maybe you're, you do the land development as one company, the real estate development is a different company. Typically, you would go get that land. You would um, have the vision of what to put on that land. You'd have some expertise and some experience knowing what's hot, like Sean just said, knowing what the cap rates are, like Sean just said. Get the financial backing and build the building. Again, you have a vision um, element. You have a finance element. In the middle this time, you have construction element and permitting element. Um, and then finally, you get to the either selling of the property or the holding of the property, which is an analyst role, right? There's someone in there analyzing whether you should sell your your new built buildings on what was dirt before and someone telling you you should maybe hold it. Yeah, there we are running financial analysis throughout the whole process because you can sell the property once you... It, once you get your entitlements or in certain times during the process of the entitlements, because it's a multi-step process with hurdles when met create value. Uh, so there, there's opportunities to dispose of the property at all. As long as you did the current, the correct, correct underwriting at the beginning, you're adding value along the way. So, you can flip the property as you talked about at the start of the podcast before you even put a shovel on the ground. You've basically just entitled the property. You can then maybe do some underground work and do what we call the horizontal land development, which is basically taking a shovel, putting in pavement, putting in streets, putting in your sewers and dry utilities you've now created more value. And hopefully for that dollar investment, you're going to get a dollar ten return. There's an opportunity to sell the property at that point. Last, then you just go ahead and go vertical. And vertical, what I mean by that is you're pouring a foundation, building walls and putting a lid. And that would be uh, the last and final area that you could uh, have an opportunity to flip the property. All right. So. Um, what is real estate? It is more than buying a, a little house 
fixing it up and flipping. It can be on a grand scale. If you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to the edge of excellence, not the edge of uh, whatever. So we're talking to someone that has a land development business, a real estate development business, a construction company, an investment company, and then finally property management. Anything, any skill set you have fits into any one of these five, usually in individual businesses, but at Baldwin and Sons, it's all rolled together. How do you get to the position of running one of these giant companies? Let's talk to Sean about how to do that. And it's a little different for you, Sean. Um, it's a, you're, you're third generation. Your kids are coming up on fourth generation in the business. But I have a feeling it's very similar because no one hands over a business to somebody just because they have the blood. You've got to go show that you can uh, do something good with it, that you're going to make a mark, that you're going to add your own element to the legacy. So let's go way back, back to uh, Emerald Bay, suffering there in Emerald Bay, growing up on the beach. And I believe for you to get to the beach, you had to like trip out the back door, right? You're there. Well, I had to go around the pool. Um, oh, but yeah. once I once I got around the pool, we were, you know, beating sand. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it was it was tough uh, back in those days. It was tough growing up back in those days. So you went to school at, in the Beach High. You grew up, in, and we'll just call it what it is, with the silver spoon in your mouth. But I've told you a thousand times, I'm always amazed by the people that grew up with the silver spoon in their mouth in our circle of friends. And we choose our friends based on values. So we're not hanging out with schleps. We're hanging out with people that are um, adding value to our lives. I'm always amazed by the lack of um, laziness, the lack of satisfaction. Did that start in high school? Were you working really hard to kick butt in high school? Were you trying to get ahead? Were you trying to make a mark? Were you trying to show that you deserve the role in the family business way back then? So if I think back of my high school and college days, I don't think of myself as someone who was getting after everything. And and uh, I don't think my, my success was really defined by those days. I, I, I think there were moments where I failed that provided me the opportunities that I didn't like. Um, I went to play volleyball in college. I didn't make the team. That was very disappointing. Um, I had a handful of other just setbacks, whether it was success at school or, or personal setbacks that, you know, I learned from. So for me, when I, you know, I'm 22, 23 years old, and I realized I can do whatever I want in my life. And up until that point, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm just going to be my dad's son and work in the family business and just kind of roll with things. And at that point, I realized I could do anything I want. And I decided I'm going to take control of my life. And so it just, it, it seems simple, but it was just one of those turning moments that changed my life. And, you know, I think, What's important about that is I had to go find myself by traveling abroad for seven months. And up until that time, I hadn't been away from my family uh, and in control of what I was going to do every day. So anybody in any situation can choose to push themselves to the point where they can fail. And you kind of brushed over high school, but you don't go to USC. I mean, I know you didn't get into UC Santa Barbara or UCLA. But you don't go to USC unless you have pretty good grades in high school, unless you've done some things to set yourself apart, unless you pushed yourself and had some failures and learned from it. You don't, you know, almost go and play uh, volleyball 
at USC and then not make the team and have those that sense of failure and that setback unless you're pushing yourself and trying real hard. So in high school, early college, you're pushing yourself, you're trying, you go to a good school, but then there's this kind of euphoric, oh, what am I going to do? You go travel around the world. And I, I've heard some of the stories from some of the cool experiences you had around the world. And you found yourself on this beach and basically you realize, I'm going to have a better life. I'm going to have a higher self-esteem. I'm going to be a better example to my family the way my dad was to me and my grandfather was to him. If I go do something and push myself and try real hard, then, you know, that sitting on a beach, somehow you had your impetus to go off and make your own mark and add to the legacy. Sum it up, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think at that moment, I realized, uh, let's go. And, you know, Matt, you've known me for a long time. I'm full throttle. Um, in every aspect of my life, whether it's uh, raising my kids and being a coach and all their youth sports and being involved in their uh, schools uh, to uh, my fan or uh, with my personal friends, you and all of our friends, I'm very passionate about making all of our experiences epic. Um, and then professionally, I, I, I work hard. I'm, I'm deeply passionate about my family business and passing the, uh, uh, baton onto what would be our fourth generation uh, that are just starting to kind of think about getting involved in our business. You know, so my role is preparing, getting this business in a position that uh, financially as well as structurally is strong for them to come in and have the opportunities that I have. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. So it really is, and, and, and when I think of you, and I actually put this in my notes today, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So you mentioned a few things, and I mentioned on the show, the removing of the doors on the helicopter and jumping into the Panama Canal and then having dinner with the guy that was vice president, became president, and then flying off again. I mean, just who thinks of that? Um, and, you know, all the different experiences that you put together, uh, many of which I actually put together, you took the credit for. But, uh, you know, how you do that? I, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but one time you and I were talking about being on different boards and, you know, it just kind of came out that you're the chair of every board you go on because how you do one thing is how you do everything. You treat the school board the same way you treat your own um, company board and then the coaching and the and the hanging out. So I think of how how you do one thing is how you do everything. And definitely your 
really kind of hit home runs on every area you touch. You spin all the plates, and that ties to that definition of excellence. But what I'm interested in is it sounds like you made the decision to lead your life like that on the beat, and you hadn't always been that way. And I kind of, you know, that I, I had that decision point in my life at 19 years old where I was going to make, you know, carry myself that way. Was that beach where you changed or were you always that way? You know, I, I, I like to think of it as a symbolic moment for me that that was kind of the moment, you know, but when you think about, okay, I played volleyball. Um, I, I went to USC. I, uh, you know, all these various other aspects, uh, um, uh, I'm a significantly better downhill skier than you are. I mean, mountain biking, I, I excel over you. You think of all these various things. I don't really think of myself as that great, except when I'm with my you know, friends and I see how much better I am. So it, it, it's kind of one of those things that uh, I, maybe, I pivot to maybe, that. Maybe you were always awesome. And it was just on the beach that day. You realized, oh, my God, I'm awesome. I should do something with this. I, it, I I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. It's just one of those things that uh, it just dawned on me that, you know what? I am awesome. So so someone listening here right now is understanding that Sean and I are joking with each other. But someone listening right now, and I remember the time, too. You had your beach time. Yeah, honestly, we worked hard. We worked jobs. We did all these things. You know, most of the people were hanging out with did that. But you had your one moment on the beach, like I need to take off, man. I'm, you know, even though I'm doing pretty well, I need to blast off. I had my moment in this uh, sociology class freshman year. I'm like, you know, I got to quit screwing around. I got to get myself moving. And you move into this: how you do one thing, how you do everything. And I, I got a lot of parents that listen to this show. It's really designed for people in their twenties, but I get parents that listen to it. And if you're a parent right now, I just think about your dad, you know, Raj Paul, uh, Bill Lyons, senior of um, these these people that have kind of really done a good job passing their values along to their kids. If you're a parent listening right now, or if you're someone in their twenties that maybe having kids one day and is planning on having a giant real estate development business, what do you think your dad did so well to get you to want to hit it out of the park and want to add your legacy to that business and want to make your money? So I, I, I think my dad taught us how to be unique and he provided the opportunity for us to experience, whether it was in sport, every, every sport there is. Uh, he wasn't really a sideline dad. He was an involved dad. He liked sports that were more uh, um, participation that he could participate in. Downhill skiing, hunting, uh, uh, water sports. Uh, so we all participated together. His spirituality has been, you know, a fixture in our family that we passed down to our kids. And then on the professional side, just the grinding and hard work. You know, he just is relentless. And by modeling that, uh, you know, uh, with working with him for 30 years, seeing how even at 78 years old, he's grinding and he enjoys the grind. But at the same time, he gave me space and was willing to let me develop into whatever 
I wanted to be. Yeah. So I was thinking about your dad. We had a meeting in that wine room at the Big Canyon Country Club, and he said he had celebrated his 50th anniversary. And he talked about how really nothing else mattered. But that you talk about it, everybody knows to model, right? They, they, all the books say it. All the speakers we see say, make sure you. It's not about what you say; it's about what you're, what you do. How to be unique, experience everything. Super involved family man, um, spiritual, hardworking. So he modeled everything so well. It's it's kind of a slap in the face if you don't model it the same way and pass it on to the kids. Am I getting that right? Well, I, th- I, th- I think it, there, there, it's not necessarily modeling it the same way. I think it's modeling it with my own flavor and that as I, well. I, yeah. And I, and you know, right. You can't fake it. So we know stories. We have friends that, Hey, you know, I'm sitting with my kid playing with my kid. And so I'm modeling that I'm spending time with them. Well, actually you're not, you're on your phone in front of your kid. That's not, that's not playing with your kid. That's doing work or social media with your kid. Uh, while your kid's watching you. So I, th- I think, you know, a lot of people think they're modeling um, uh, best behaviors. And, I, and what I've seen too many times is they're modeling poor behavior. So you're paying. So um, your definition of excellence is this generational legacy. It's probably that definition developed over time. You watch the role models around you. And if you're listening right now and you know, maybe your closest role models aren't doing a great job. Go find another role model. They're out there. There's plenty of mentors that want to work with you. Um, you decide you want to have your, your your own impact, your own legacy. You love the family business. Um, your dad's done a great job. And you come back off the speech on this tour around the world after graduating from USC with, I believe, at least mediocre grades. And you dive into the family business. And the path to leadership in a family business First of all, you're not in charge in age 35. And second of all, you have to work your way through all the different roles in just about every family business. What was your experience like getting to become the president? What did you have to do and how long did it take? So after uh, I came back from uh, uh, traveling after college, I talked to my dad and we talked about different opportunities and aspects and my dad is uh, a very uh, much a goal setter. And so he said, you know, what are your goals short term or your goals medium? What are your long term goals? And we went through that and discussed where the opportunities were in the business. So when I came back, I went and spent two years out on the construction job managing uh, or, or actually starting as an assistant superintendent working with our trades, developing houses. And that was a great opportunity for me to see kind of the nuts and bolts of our home building operation. And that was a fantastic opportunity that I was able to this learn trades or learn traits that I can use at my own house. I know how to fix things in my house because I was on a job site for a couple of years. After that, I came in and... Post-graduating from USC. Correct. Okay, so you Correct. you worked in the in high school. You're working at the office, making copies, running water, uh, and then in college, you're working on job sites, taking on different roles, showing your dad that you're serious, showing the other people that you work with, showing yourself that you can make a make a mark. You get out of college, you sit down with your dad, and you kind of communicate your vision that 
hey, I want to work here. But sometimes people in the family business don't. And you identify some opportunities that start with maybe going backwards a little bit and really learning from the ground up. Yeah. And so, you know, went from uh, working on the construction site to coming in and doing finance and running uh, or not running, but rather working in his accounting department and working my way up through the ladder from an accounts payable clerk doing data input. And so on that side, right, you learn how to cut a check. You learn how to manage job costs. You manage how to run reports. Um, uh, so that was a, a just an excellent opportunity to understand the numbers in a real estate development company. After that, I went and spent a few years on the property, uh, or I'm sorry, project management of our business. And that was basically contracting with all of our subcontractors to go horizontal or to go vertical on all of our construction projects. And so that, that, and then gave me three quarters of all of, uh, or maybe three fifths of at the time of our business. The two areas I didn't get involved with were on the sales and property management side. Yeah, I, I appreciate you walking through all that. And I wanted to do this episode for a while, uh, mostly because I wanted somebody with like a real name behind them to be on my show, but also because um, I, I knew you would be able to explain just the entire scope of the real estate world and maybe open some eyes to the different types of people that could get involved in it. You know, most of the people I know that are you know, have a lot of freedom and are really successful have some involvement in real estate. So anybody listening that's trying to figure out their next step in, in their career, whether they're changing from one job to another or starting to pick majors in college, I think that will help. If people want to get more information about Baldwin's and Son, Baldwin and Sons, they can go to baldwinandsons.com. You can see information about Sean there. You can message them. I do have to ask, uh, looking back, way back in time, uh, when you were getting started and you know trying to figure out what your next steps were, was there any sacrifice that you made that you thought, huh, maybe it was sitting on that beach, I don't know, that you look back and said, man, I'm so glad I made that sacrifice? So I think the sacrifice I made was after college, I went and did the job site accounting and finance uh, run for half a dozen years. During that time, that was you know during the dot-com run. And so we both had a lot of friends that were chasing all those opportunities up in the Bay Area and LA. And so those were that was a sacrifice that I I I just had this long-term vision of this generational real estate development company that I wanted to be a part of. And I looked up to my grandfather and I've always looked up to my father. Um, and so because of that, I wanted to be involved. Uh, we all had various other opportunities. The economy was starting to pick up at that time. Um, but I was passionate about our family business. Wow, I would love to have been able to go back in time right now and whack you upside the head for even thinking about that. Are you kidding me? That's your sacrifice? You didn't go chase the dot-com bubble? Hmm. I wonder which Baldwin would have ended up with more toys and more happiness. Hmm. <laughs> Sean, I get, I get these people all the time, and I just want to like whack them upside the head. I'm going to tell them to listen to this podcast. Anytime people start talking about house flipping, because I want them to you know, dream bigger than that. Um, what's your comment on that? Well, I, I think there's an opportunity for someone to come in and start flipping houses and, and with a bunch of 
hard work, learn about the real estate business. I don't think of house flipping as buying a property, sitting on it for six or nine, 12 months with the vision that you're going to be able to sell it for double. That in my mind is not house flipping. That's speculative. That's speculation. And you're just betting on the market and the rising tide of the market. I believe in house flipping as, hey, I'm going to go buy the, the worst property on the block. It needs landscaping. It needs cabinets. It needs new plumbing. It needs new carpet and paint. I'm going to go in and I'm probably going to do 50% of the work. I'm going to go hire guys to do the rest. And I'm going to be on site and I'm going to do the work. Okay, that that is a great opportunity and fundamentally kind of one of the easiest, earliest ways to get involved in real estate for a low amount of money. I mean, you can be flipping houses in some small areas like Albuquerque, which I would never want to go to. But, uh, you know, for for a low amount of money, Matt, where are you from? Uh, I'm from this town in New Mexico called Albuquerque. Got it. Got it. I haven't been there and I haven't really, I've flown over it. It's a cool, cool visual from above. <laughs> so um, you would say then that, it, you know, if, you, if you're just getting started, it's hard. To, I mean, Sean built cities. I can look out my window and there's a whole side of a mountain that Sean's um, company built. What's it called? Rancho Mission Viejo? What's the one over there? You built? Uh, Portola Hills. Portola Hills. I can see this whole city they built. But if you want to get to that place, you've got to start somewhere. So instead of me scoffing at people that want to do flipping, maybe encourage them to do that as a first step. You get to see what it's like to invest the money, how to organize the uh, the, uh, trades. You can hold, you can sell, all those different things that you do in your business minus the land development on a smaller smaller scale. And then maybe try the apartment building and then maybe bigger, bigger, bigger. And that might be a way in if you don't already have a family business and you weren't just born lucky like you. Yeah, I mean, you're learning all three aspects that we've talked about. Uh, well, one, you got to acquire the property, but then you got to work on the entitlements. Maybe there's some permitting. Maybe you're going to do a, uh, uh, add a uh, ADU, add a bedroom. Uh, then you got to do the actual construction. You're going to do the carpet, paint, cabinet, plumbing, uh, do the landscaping. And then you got to sell the property. Maybe you have your broker's license. Maybe you get your broker's license and you sell the property. So I think if you are uh, want to get in the uh, real estate development business, doing some house flipping, working for a house flipper, I think that is a great business for a young individual to get involved with. All right. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with me. Well, Sean, thank you so much for taking time. I know, what time is it now? One sixteen on a Friday, probably halfway through your game. I appreciate you coming off the beach and meeting with us and sharing your insight into the real estate business. Thank you for coming on the Edge of Excellence. Hey, Matt, I appreciate you and uh, your audience. And uh, this is super cool what you're doing. Thanks, bud. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast.
Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.